Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Recently, I shared with my own kids a lesson time has taught me. People aren't paying as much attention to you as you think. Why is that so fitting for this episode? Stay tuned to find out. Team Snap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. Fall sports season is right around the corner. Are you ready? Team Snap is connecting the world of youth sports by providing solutions for coaches, administrators, and brands. Team Snap for Teams offers coaches and team managers a top-tier youth sports management app to help you focus less on team management and more on coaching while Team Snap for Business gives administrators the most complete youth sports management platform to run their clubs. And for brands looking to make noise in the youth sports marketing space, Team Snap for Brands can help marketers reach parents on the field, at home, or on the go. Download the Team Snap app in your mobile app store or visit teamsnap.com winning for more information. When you're young, especially around middle and high school, you constantly are imagining what other people think about what you wear, how you act, who you're with, and so on and so forth. A young Greg Berg was no different. He worried about what other people thought of him, and it was something he didn't get comfortable with until his 30s. Because the truth is, given his role as a coach and a principal, Greg Berg wouldn't have lasted as long in either, and certainly not in both, if the thought of others still greatly weighed on him. But becoming a parent also played a part in giving him the perspective and confidence that helped his growth and maturation as a man and a leader. Let's get to part two of my conversation with Greg Berg. What's one thing you would tell your eight, 12 or 16 year old self? Man, you were getting some deep questions. I like this. I, I've written a lot about this. One of my favorite sayings is the, the 20, 40, 60 rule for coaches. And I think you could apply this to an eight, 12, 16 year old stuff. And the 20, 40, 60 rule is basically in your twenties and you could say in your middle school year, and I, I, was, I was like this probably growing up, you worry a lot about what other people think about you, okay? And I definitely worried about what other people thought about me. And I think that was part of the you know, decision-making process I would make. And then in your forties, you realize, you know, you don't care what other people think about you, especially when you're in a, a, I guess, a role like I'm in, you have to learn that to survive a little bit. Right. And then you get to your sixties and I'm not to my sixties, but I think I've learned this before the sixties and you realize people weren't really thinking about you to begin with because they're so self-serving thinking about themselves. Right. But I think as coaches, especially, and I think young athletes and, and high school kids, you're so worried about what other people think. And the sooner that you can get through that and just do what you think is best and know that that's good enough, that's all that matters. And I think as high school kids, and I was you know guilty of this, you're worried about other people and what they think about you. And they're not thinking about you. You know, they're so self-absorbed, so many people with, you know, themselves. So I was the offensive coordinator on our football team. I'm an varsity basketball coach in a basketball town and the high school principal. I'm like a walking critical 
billboard if you want it, right? You know, you can criticize the play call on a Friday night, the the coaching decision, or, you know, being a high school principal. So you have to be confident in what you do. You have to know that you're doing the right thing for kids in all of those decisions. And you really can't worry or care about what other people think. That would be, I guess, what I would tell my future or my old self. At what point did you kind of learn that? You know, how old were you when you had that confidence and revelation? I would say it probably hit me in my early 30s. I I became a basketball coach and I had a great mentor. I mean, you talked a lot about my mentors as a kid growing up, but Leo Fausch, you know, I I took the head basketball job at age 26 and I was fortunate to have a long time assistant, like the guy who had been a JV basketball coach for 40 years, kind of a legend. I mean, just, he's one of those guys, he's not in the limelight. He wasn't a varsity coach, but man, I mean, that, that guy knew so much and was a mentor for me. And he helped me through some of those things as an early young coach. But I think by the time I hit my early 30s and I became a principal and I had kids, I think kids do wonders to you. When you start having your own kids, your perspective changes. I would say that's when it really started hitting for me. And it's grown since then each and every year. Yeah. What were some of those things that changed for you as a parent? How did that impact your thinking on your career or your thinking on, you know, leadership? I mean, it had a huge impact. I think everything kind of comes full circle when you have your own kids. And like I had mentioned, you know, this gap time where I wasn't a head coach was the time when my kids were young and they were in like first grade, second grade, third grade, or at least my son was. And I started coaching them as a first, second and third grader. And when you coach at that young, young, young age, you're really at the pure joy of kids playing sports, right? And so it's the relationships It's teaching just fundamentals, but teaching them how to be part of a team, how to have a role on a team. And I think my my son is an example. My my son was a good athlete, but he was on a great team. And so my son's role from elementary on, you know, I'm a big believer, like everyone is going to play, you know, really through middle school. We're going to try to equalize as much playing time as we can because kids are growing and developing. And then as you hit high school, it starts to become more competitive and we start to, you know, go through that process. But, you know, my son ended up being like our ninth man on our, our varsity team. He didn't play a lot in games and, you know, and I'm the coach and, and now I'm fine with that. And he was fine with that because that was his role. He was a leader on our team. He was instrumental in, in why we won. And we actually took third in state his, his junior year and had a really good year the, the senior year. But his role was different. So I think having your own kids, you understand the full scope and the the value that every player brings to a team. Okay. And when I mentioned be great at what you're good at, really defining roles, being part of a team, utilizing your strengths to impact the team, to help the team be successful and to build it. I'm really proud of how with both my daughter's group and my son's group, coaching them through youth, through high school, how many kids stayed out how good of an experience they all had and how they all felt part of a team and felt, you know, welcome no matter what their role was. I think that parenting perspective, and then you carry that to now a varsity coach. And I think there's more of a focus on relationships than there might've been when you're starting out as a young coach. Greg, as a father, what was your driving force in shaping your children's youth sports experience? 
I knew that my my kids are, are probably not going to be phenomenal athletes, right? My daughter is a college athlete. My son, sports and team sports, and he'll talk about this now. He's up at the U of M. Okay, if he were in a bigger school like I grew up in the Twin Cities, he would not have had the experiences he had. And we talk about this a lot. And this is the value of a smaller town. And I grew up in a, a, a suburban school, right? He's a three-sport athlete. Was he great in any of the sports? No, but he was able to to get all the experiences and be a part of a very successful team and participate and play and, and learn so many leadership skills and so many skills that really define him today. Resilience and teamwork and trust and the skills that kids learn from being part of a team. It, it, I call it, it's, it's the ultimate lab setting for life. You don't get this in any other experience. And kids that don't participate in team sports or don't get those opportunities. Yeah, you can be involved in different things, but it's just not the same as when you have to bring, you know, 12, 15 kids together and put them in a jumbled mess and try to create a team with roles and, and responsibility and all the challenges that come with that and how you have to overcome that and work together. That is what I wanted for my kids. I wanted them to learn those skills because I learned them. Like they were incredibly powerful for me. And that's what I'm most proud of with both kids. And, you know, my daughter's just graduating. We're empty nesters now, but I am so proud of what they have become. And I attribute most of that to their involvement in youth sports and dealing with adversity, challenges, having successes, having failures, learning and growing and overcoming that. And, and they're going to be really, really successful adults because of that. And I, I, that's why I'm so passionate about what I do in, in writing as well, because I know the, the power of this and I know the power of having good coaches and I know the power of kids developing and learning these skills. And I want to be a bigger part to help coaches or athletes provide these experiences for kids because they're that important to me. Now, I'm really curious. You have two huge roles that I think are often underappreciated, right? You're a coach. We know how sometimes coaches are treated, you know, within our country, but you're also a principal, you know, and principals are also, I think, often underappreciated when they do their jobs well. Tell me about the differences between those two roles and how you deal with the pressures of each. You know, I, I tell everybody without question, the number one thing that prepared me to be a high school principal was being a varsity basketball coach, not even comparable. And it, it's, it's because there's similar skill sets, the leadership, the making tough decisions, the building a team, the building culture. I mean, so many things that you do as a varsity coach, it's a very, very dynamic job. You've got parents, emotional parents, you've got kids that want different roles. I mean, there's so much that goes into being a coach. There's all the organizational and management stuff that is incredible for a coach as well. So that skill set prepared me for being a principal better than anything. And my skill set fits both jobs really well. And I think that's why I'm able to do both. I'm a very organized person. Leadership matters to me. Building culture matters to me. Those are both really big parts of, of being in both jobs. Communication is incredibly important. That's something I think I've really grown. I mean, ironically, kind of cracks me up too, but you know, as a high school student, if you were to ask me a graduating senior, what are the two things I least like to do? It would be public speaking and writing. <laughs> and now I look at what I'm doing and, and I do so much public speaking and I'm putting on 
leadership summits for schools across Minnesota. I have zero issues. I've, I've spoken at our, our state principals conference, our basketball coaches association, and I'm writing every day. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, life is a process and we can always continue to learn and grow and our strengths evolve over time. And, and that would be an example for me where I think my strengths have evolved over time. That's awesome to hear. Tell me about some of the books that you've written and your most recent book. You know, I know you've written a lot about leadership and about, you know, developing culture and things, but how did that come to be, you know, that opportunity to write your first book? And now I believe you just published your fourth, right? Yeah, it's, it's been a little crazy. Like, you know, I, I made a commitment, I think it was March 23rd in Florida at my parents' condo. I had been doing a lot of leadership summits. I was working with Jeff Jansen and I'm on the side putting on some of his leadership summits. And I had, like I said, I had all this stuff going through my mind with leadership culture teams, my experiences, my reading. And so I decided to write March 23rd, 2022 every day. And I've been doing that on Twitter ever since. And about, I don't know, five weeks after I started writing on Twitter, I'm like, I didn't even really know what newsletters were, Sean. I mean, I, I didn't read any myself, but I started following some newsletters. I'm like, you know what? I, this is the next step for me. So I'm going to start writing a monthly newsletter. And in about, I think, May of last year, I had my mom, my dad, and me as my subscribers on my newsletter. Great teams, better leaders. But I had a lot to share. And so I wrote a monthly newsletter. Well, now I, I think I just passed them about at 5,500 people reading my newsletter. And that's in a year, it's changed. Like, I even, I can't even describe it. Well, then about two months after I started my newsletter, I'm like, you know what? I've got an idea for a book. I've got, you know, culture wins. I've got all these culture nuggets that, you know, so I, I just started writing this summer is a little bit of a downtime for me in both jobs, even though I, I still do a lot of coaching in the summer, but I had time. And so I, I put that together. I think I published it July-ish, August last year, and then Coaching Gold a few months later, and then another Culture Wins book earlier this late winter, and then Great Teams, Better Leaders, what I really did is I took all of my newsletters over the course of a year that I had written. So I had, you know, 52 newsletters and I put them together and kind of cleaned them up in a book. And so it really allowed me to take all of my writing, my best writing over the course of a year. And I'm not a great writer. I'm going to say a solid writer, but I, I keep getting better. But it, to me, I write very practical stuff for coaches. I, I write how like I want to read. I, I'm not a guy that's going to read a big, thick novel. That's not who I am, but I want to learn what I read. And I want short, quick nuggets of information that I can apply to my life as a coach or a leader. And that's how I try to write. And yeah. so, yeah, those are the four books. And like I said, zero aspirations a year ago to ever write a book. And so I've learned a lot. And I think, you know, other people can maybe take that like, just start something, be consistent and see where it takes you because you never know. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any questions or comments, please visit my website, seankjensen.com and go to the contact page. You can even leave me a voice recording. And of course, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap. Whether you are a coach, administrator, or brand looking to reach the youth sports community, TeamSnap connects the world of youth sports. Until next time, I'm Sean Jensen. Yeah.